Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast. Maybe the best version ever. 222. 22-2-2-22. But it's three twos. God, I love it. Asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained while wondering, did you ever watch Room 222? I did not, but I know what it is. And as many people know, 22 is my favorite number. So 22, like three of them, three twos next to each other is even better. So it's phenomenal. I'm just, I love it. It looks good. It it sounds good. It feels good. That has something to do with you being born at two in the morning or something like that. Yeah. And the second month in February. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. And one of my birth numbers is two. So the power of two goes a long way for me. Oh, you've got that to look forward to. Who knows what else we'll get into on this version of the podcast. (laughs) All kinds of cowboy stuff. Jerry has spoken. And man, did he have some things to say, as you might imagine. Might frustrate the hell out of you, but at least he spoke. Got to take a trip around the block. We've got Todd Archer, our ESPN Cowboys insider. But before we get into any of that, it's Greening Law. I don't know when you're going to need the number, but the number you need is 972-934-8900. I've been working with them for several months as we are building a case with what happened with me because I was hurt in a car accident, but maybe you experienced malpractice. Maybe you were injured on the premises of a business. There's so many different cases and clients that they have represented. The key is to allow them to be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. And the reason you do that is because they're really good at what they do. Not only that, this is what it's required. Nothing. You just pick up the phone and call and you say, hey, here's my situation. What do you guys think? Can you help me out? And then they say, yeah, we can or no, we don't think it's quite a good fit. Good luck. But if they help you out, you're in great shape, man, because grinning will grind for you. They'll work for you because there's no fees. There's no nothing that you pay out of your pocket. Unless you get paid. That's right. And again, that consultation is absolutely free. So give them a call today and see if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. I didn't think we'd hear from Jerry, but it makes sense that he finally spoke. He sat down with some of the local writers from the DFW area, and he did that. The owner meetings are happening this week. All the coaches are there. All the owners are there in Palm Beach in Florida. 
And Jerry decided now is the time. He didn't do it at the Combine. So he decided to kind of have that type of conversation, it feels like, at the owners' meetings. And at some point he knew you're not going to be able to hide from this one because too much has happened this offseason with the Dalrymple thing, with the lawsuit that he's going through, with this potential extra child that he had, all these different things. He was going to get asked about them at some point. I guess now this week is when he decided to address a lot of that. Yeah, because you still got to remember, bro, It's this is still a controlled environment. You mean like, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, you're talking to the local beat writers, but that's all you're talking to. Um, and it's the print guys, I believe. Maybe I don't think there was a camera there unless it was for DallasCowboys.com. But what that means is, so when you go, if you have that, if you do that in Dallas at the Star, who's there? Uh, you got your local, you got all your TV cameras there, local sports. Guess what you've also got, man? You've also got some news reporters who want to ask you about the court stuff. Yeah. And this way is far easier for you to control. And now when you talk at the draft, guess what you can say? Oh, I talked about that in uh, March. I wish you guys had been out at the owners' meeting. So we've moved on. We've addressed that. Check the videotape or however, they, however you want to say it. But it's been dealt with in as much a controlled environment as he could have. Yeah, and that's how it was. And I think you're right. I think it was all print because all the photos that I saw from it were taken, like Jory Epstein or somebody, from their phone while they were sitting there having a chance to chat with him. And they went through a lot of different things. One of the things that they talked about was this offseason and the money and the financial aspects of the Amari Cooper trade and all of this. One thing that Jerry said, one of the quotes that jumped out to me was, what we've done has gotten better with our money. We're better with our money than we were this time last year. We are better with our money, with our resources. We are in better shape than we were this time last year. And then he went on to kind of expand on the Amari Cooper saying, basically, we made a decision that that allocation should be spent better, which is kind of what we've already talked about in a variety of podcasts. Yeah, dude, but I think it's just a dumbass approach. (laughs) And I wrote about it uh, in the Dallas Morning News, and you can check it out. And here's why. The job, the goal, is not to have the best salary cap in the league. It's not even to have a good salary cap in the league. The job is to win championships. That's the goal. The goal is to position yourself so you can win a championship you do that by having the best players available best players possible and here's the bigger issue man uh we've talked about it uh, we had clarence hill jr on usually you hear him on fridays uh he talked about this a couple of weeks ago if not last week and it's simply that the league has changed they're operating by the old standard which is hey let's make sure we're financially responsible and we can keep this thing going together for a few years dude it's about winning right now, this season. Why? Half your team is going to change anyway. You want to keep the core together and you build around the core. Guess what, Matt? This core is getting old. Yeah. You don't have a lot of time to be – who cares about fiscal responsibility because your core is going to be too old to carry this team in probably three years, but maybe two because once you start hitting 30, you can fall off in a, in a hurry. Yeah, and that's the thing with me is – they gave Dak a four-year contract, and now he's one year into that. So to me, you've got a three-year window where you've got the quarterback you wanted. You paid him the price that maybe it was more than you wanted. But I'd be doing everything I could within the confines of that Dak contract. We've got him. Make it happen because if it doesn't in three years, then you're going to have to reassess exactly where you're at with everything. And when you hear things, oh, we're better with our money. Well, kick ass, Jerry. Who cares? Not only that, bro. Do you? I- I'm just asking. Uh, 
And I don't normally say this because you say, what, do you think I lie to you? Now, that wasn't a good Matt voice. Hey, do you think I'd lie to you? That's a much better, <laughs> that's a much better Matt voice. Yeah, that's uh, how I sound. <laughs> hey, do you think I'd lie to you? Per- that's it right there. <laughs> Dak Prescott, he's making $40 million a year. Let me just ask, bro. Just, just ask you. You think that price is going down? No, it's not going down. Of course not. Right. So it's a four-year deal. So three years from now, or actually two years from now, when you have to open up negotiations, He'll be looking for $52 million a year or somewhere in that ballpark because the salary cap will have gone up. But so will the quarterback money is um, your boy in San Diego gets paid, uh, Joe Burrow gets paid, all these young guns who are becoming stars now get paid. Right. And so, again, he's going to be the upper center of your team. But, you know, bro, it's about winning now. And so you have to do as much as you can to win now because his price – is only going to go up, which will, again, make it more difficult to win. Yeah, and that was a lot of the frustration with some of these comments that they had. They talk about some of these things, you know, the Randy Gregory situation and almost like a plan B in free agency. And, and Steven saying how they couldn't afford to pay Amari Cooper and keep Michael Gallup and, and all these types of things where you look at it and it's almost like, oh, okay, well, it almost sounds like you would rather have had Cooper because you think he's the better player. You would rather have invested in Randy Gregory, but instead, hey, guess what? Instead of signing Randy Gregory, we got these three pieces, which hopefully add up to equal what we think Randy Gregory is. That's some, you know what, bro? I'm just going to say what it is, man. That's classic Cowboys revisionist history. I mean, it's all BS. They were within a, 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 some language of re-signing Randy Gregory to, you know, $70 million mm-hmm. over five years. They wanted Randy Gregory, and to say anything else now, nah, it's just poppycock, bro. It's, it's like, oh, no, we really wanted him. We, I mean, we didn't want him. We, we, we wanted him if we could work it out, but since it didn't, it's no big deal. We got these other guys. That was never their plan, man. And the Cowboys, although I like them personally, they're, all, they're forever trying to piss on your head and tell you it's raining, bro. Yeah. That's what they do. I mean, they do. Just go back. They do it systematically every time something like this. Oh, no, our plan was never to pay Randy. It was we. Yeah, it was. We're like, we're like, no, no, we'd much <laughs> rather have these three guys. If their plan wasn't to, play, wasn't to pay Randy, they wouldn't have been so mad at Miss Marilyn's funeral. Yeah. I, I, I you mean, know. and they were, according to people who were there, beyond pissed oh, i'm sure they were and, and you know as jerry said he told the media this about the the rainy gregory he says he spoke with gregory and his agent on the phone told him he was uncomfortable altering language in gregory's contract that is present in all non-quarterback cowboys deals that involve guaranteed money that dispute led gregory of course to back out and sign with denver and, and jerry says i said el paso that little west texas town i said el paso Thank you, but no thank you. I'll go. And then Gregory said, I'll go ahead and get on the plane. And it's whatever you make of that situation. And there's been people that wonder, well, why do the Cowboys have this language in when a team like Denver does? The Cowboys have it in. And we, we, we kind of explained this already. The Cowboys, I think, if this is how everybody else has it outside of Dak, you could easily look at Randy Gregory and go, you're, you're not Dak, man. And Randy Gregory can easily go, cool, Denver thinks that I am, I'm out. Yeah, it's, um, was it that big a deal to you? Was it a, I mean, clearly it was. Apparently to Randy Gregory it was. Maybe the question should have been, should that have been a deal breaker? Um, But they chose to go that route. 
And if they chose to go that route, okay, fine. You chose to go that route. You don't have to come up with this other line of uh, BS that says, oh, no, nah, bro, it, you know, here's, here's the real situation. Here's the deal over here. Because that's just poppycock, bro. And then we also see, and we've seen the Cowboys do this in the draft. We've seen it a variety of times. You move on from Amari Cooper. And I, and I understand that. I don't disagree with the way that Jerry described that of we made a decision that that allocation should be spent better. And we went through whether that was Amari's fault or Kellen's fault or Dak's fault, whatever. The reality of it is for the production you were getting, it's not worth 20 million a year. That I agree with him on that. But then they go out and they talk about this in the Michael Gallup situation. They just re-signed Michael Gallup. It's not like he came for free. He's coming off a torn ACL. Jerry says, I expect him to give us a question mark around the first game. I see a conversation that says, conservatively, you would like to have a couple more games to get him out there. Basically describing a situation where there is a good chance the receiver you chose to stay with and re-sign and spend money on is going to miss three or four games at the beginning of the year. You know, my, my problem is I get it that the the way the scheme worked, Amari wasn't going to do it. But, you know, my thing is always you want to pay the better player. And you want the better player on your roster. And, again, you're trying to win during this window while your core is young and can still or is still in its prime. And Amari Cooper is a better player than Michael Gallup. And Amari Cooper will, will you know, for the next two or three years, be a better player, and he would have helped you win. And you still pay Gallup a lot of money. Yeah. And as you look at the wide receiver market, all of a sudden, a few days later, the twenty million doesn't even seem like that big a deal. Yeah, it seems like the wide it, receivers right. are making thirty million. Yeah, and and that's where this whole uh, this has been a very frustrating off season. And some of their answers with the way that Jerry said things, and some of the things that Stephen Jones have said. You know, there's a lot of frustration with this franchise right now. And I think many people that listen are Cowboys fans, and that's one of the reasons why you listen. We're Cowboys fans together. But it's starting to get to a point where even the most optimistic Cowboys fan like me is, all you've shown me is, whether you change your philosophy or not, whether you say this or do that or however you invest or whatever you do, you fail. You have failed. You have not gotten to where you're supposed to go. And you almost have like this hesitation of until you show me that, I just don't believe that you're ever going to get it done. Yeah, it's not my, you know, I've said for years, man, not my job to have hope, faith, and optimism. It's my job to deal in reality. And the reality is, you know, what it is right now, which is uh, the the current reality is you're not a better team than you were at the end of the season. Now, maybe, you know, sports is fluid, so maybe that'll change in the next few months. But right now you're not, and to me, you're not even close. Yeah, and they talk about, as he pointed out, well, we didn't know we would have Micah Parsons last year at this time going through everything. And you fell into that. I mean, let's be honest. It was not going to be Micah Parsons if one of the cornerbacks was there for you. But reality of it is, it did end up being him. He also talked about the draft, and he said he was asked about drafting an offensive lineman in the first round. His response was, famous last words, we'll get one unless Lamb or Parsons is there. And then add one more to it. I'll accept criticism when the time comes for not knowing what we're doing. So basically, as we all understand, I mean, at 24, you never know who might fall or, or be there or one of those wide receivers that they have higher on their board. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it's typical Cowboys. It's typical Jerry. It's the, the spin that they put on everything that they do, for the most part, trying to erase 25 years of failed memory. 
<laughs> well, you can't do it when you got people who've been around the whole time who call bullshit on it. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, and that's just what it is. Uh, I think they've got to change their way of thinking. Um, I just think they've got to uh, adapt and adjust to the times. And the times have changed, bro. I mean, the Bengals went from worst to first, so to speak. Uh, teams are like to hell with draft picks. Give me proven guys who can play. Uh, teams are even like to hell with the salary cap, man. We'll take a $30 million hit to get out from under this contract yeah. and try to win some games right now. So all of the shit that they're pushing, man, I must be angry. I'm cursing a lot early on in this. All the stuff that they're pushing is just, it's just poppycock, man, or it's a sign of an organization that's not changing with the times. And let me tell you all what happens if you don't change with the times. You become what, Matt? Kodak. <laughs> Blockbuster. Yeah. You know, pick pick a company that failed because they didn't change with the times. Yeah, and, and to your point, and, and you had sent this over, uh, you are talking about an era in the NFL where teams, and I kind of joked about that Madden era trade that we see, but yeah. some of the cap hits that some of these teams are absorbing this year, when you hear the Cowboys say this or that about the cap, Matt Ryan was traded from Atlanta. He's got a $40 million cap hit. Ryan Tannehill has a $38.6 million cap hit. Pat Mahomes, $35.8 million. Kirk Cousins, 31.4. Jared Goff, 31.2. TJ Watt, 31.1. Again, point being, you can pay guys and put a team on the field and have a player that is having a massive cap hit. So this whole thing about, well, we couldn't afford the weight. You know, we kind of went through this where you're not looking at it and you're not planning this out. You should have known when you signed Dak what's going to be our cornerstone and how do we make this work? And if we have to kick the can down the road because we've got a window where we still think we can get something out of Zeke, we still think Zach Martin and Tyron Smith can be that level Pro Bowl, maybe even all pro level offensive linemen, because three years from now, they're gone. Zeke's gone. Zach Martin's probably gone. Tyron Smith, for sure. I'd be shocked if he's here after three more years. And then all of a sudden, you're trying to rebuild some of the cornerstone pieces of this, and we're all going to sit there and go, my God, you did it to Romo, and you're doing it to Dak. Dude, this, this is exactly what we're talking about, man. It's about understanding where you are in the NFL landscape, understanding why you need to win right now. To hell about, you know what, man? Nobody gives a damn about a string of seasons where you go – you win 10 to 12 games seven times in 10 years if you don't win the championship or right. you don't get to the NFC championship game. They care about winning titles. Um, and, you know, I respect the Rams for going for it. Whether it worked or whether it didn't work, they went for it. Um, it worked out for them. It's not going to work out for them every year where they go all in on it. But they're going all in on a team that they have right now because it's good enough to win. Cowboys last year, bro, were good enough to win. If you bring back the vast majority of those pieces that you could, uh, even if you got to kick it down, kick the can down the, down the uh, road a little bit by restructuring guys, extending guys, it's not the preferred method, but you're trying to win now. Uh, but they chose to go a different route, so we'll see who's right. I think I like my odds. Yeah, I'm going to go Cowboys don't win now. I, I just, again – it's just it's it's in, it's almost infuriating, infuriating, infuriating. I was gonna let that pass. Bro. Infuriating. Really I'm done saying that word ever again. <laughs> but it is. I mean, you get to that level with just your frustration, where you just shake your head, 
And when you start having more in common with Washington and Miami Dolphins fans than you do with the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Packers of the world, and you can all sit there and go, man, I remember, yeah, I was in high school too the last time my team did jack shit. And the Cowboys just seem totally cool with it. The problem with that is it's been like that for a minute. It has. That's what I'm saying. That's why I mean, they've been. we're the Lions. Now, we don't suck. We're, we're and, and that's almost worse, where at least if you're the Lions, you've got a top draft pick that you wonder how they're going to screw up every single year. And the Cowboys somehow find a way to give you little years of hope where you're like, damn, they look really good. And it still doesn't work out. I mean, they're perfectly mediocre. It's amazing. I think the disappointment is you see all the times where they've had a chance to excel and they haven't been able to get it done. And then... You know, you know, Clarence goes crazy over 2016 where they basically said, oh, we'll just run it back. And uh, I'm basically going, I don't know if I'm going crazy, but I just I just look at this team and go. And don't don't forget, they were willing to get rid of Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. Don't forget that. I mean, they were just willing to be a lesser team, much lesser team with basically no shot to compete for a title just to make the books balance and have a nice salary cap. And that, to me, is just dumb way of doing business in today's NFL. We shall see, my friend. But another thing that I thought was interesting, and I will say, and, and you wrote an article about it. We talked about it in our last podcast, that 2018 draft class. The Cowboys don't always have draft classes like that, but they do draft well for the most part. And I thought it was interesting that Mike McCarthy had mentioned that Will McClay told him earlier this year that a typical draft class has about 150, maybe 160 draftable players. Right. And that the Cowboys believe that this draft has about 220 draftable wow. players. So they think this is a great draft. So, yeah, apparently Will McClay, who I, be- I believe in Will McClay, I think he's done a lot of good things with this roster. I think it's interesting that he is telling you that this is a draft that they believe they can – that's telling you they, they believe – those fifth round comp round comp picks they got that they get a player in the fifth round, then they're not just blowing smoke up your ass. Okay, I, ain't, I don't believe that. Well, well let, me, let me rephrase that. I believe it, but I believe that means that to me, I interpret that, and this is my interpretation. That means if usually if the odds are usually a player in the fifth round, and we're talking about not just somebody who make the roster, but somebody who can be. Um, Xavier Woods, the safety they had who was basically a starter for three years. Yeah. You know, the odds of you catching a starter in the fifth round typically might be 10%. Well, maybe this year it's 30%. Right. That's, that still ain't good odds. No, it's of, not. But that's having you, the guy come in and play. That's where you have to believe that you're getting somebody that – like a even a Cedric light. Wilson. Like a Cedric Wilson who's a six-round pick – who you can come in and who can be kind of a stud for you on special teams and do some things. And when you have to rely on him and he comes in as a fourth wide receiver at times, he doesn't suck. Like he can actually get on the field and be an active member of your roster. Right, right, right. So I think maybe this is a draft class where they've got an opportunity to find guys like that. Not, Not necessarily starters in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, but like depth pieces that actually matter at the bottom of the roster. But we'll see. Okay, I'll buy that. It is, as we move forth into the block, time to tell you, as we like to, about our sponsors. These guys make it happen, so please, I know many of you have and continue to support them, and we really appreciate that. Freeway Tire Shop, of course, with JR and his guys. Hopefully, we have drilled into your brains by now 
that anytime you need a tire rotation, an oil change, maybe you it's just a state inspection, or it could be something more serious. And I think we all freak out about that. Like when I had to get my air condition replaced a couple of years ago, I was like, are they telling me, do I really need this? You know, is it really this level? Well, with JR, you don't have to wonder that. You know, when he comes to you, he's telling you straight up, hey, here's what it is. Here's some of the options we can do for you. He's straightforward, the mechanic you can trust. Nah, man, he's terrific, man. Uh, I take all my cars there. Uh, you know, I told you, uh, it's probably about six weeks now. You know, I sent my dude over there to get his car. He needed a couple of tires, uh, one at a flat, and JR beat the price by $100. Uh, Might have been $200 uh, out the door. And, you know, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Uh, the price is over there good. My dude left with two tires. He told him, come back. I need to check a couple more things. Uh, it's no hurry, but come back in a week so I can just check a couple things. But that's the way he is, man. Uh, the customer service is on point. He learned it at the home from Home Depot when he was in their management program before he started his own business. And for me, man, I tell you, I was all about trust. Trust he's going to diagnose the issue. Trust he's going to use quality parts to fix it. Trust he's going to charge you a fair price. And then trust that he's going to stand behind his work. He trust is where it's time at. Time and time again. Yeah. yeah. It's Freeway Tire Shop, man. Just north of downtown Dallas. Check them out. JR will get you taken care of. Make sure you let him know you heard about it from us. He'll get you set up. Online, you can schedule an appointment, request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. Oh, my. Every This is one of those things that I feel like Twitter was made for, and in some aspects, just social media in general. Oh, oh, are we about to get into that? Yeah. I mean, how can you not? Because Absolutely. it's wild. Even, and I, I feel like most people heard about it and then saw it and they n- had no idea it was happening and did not watch it and were not watching the Oscars on Sunday night when Will Smith got out of his chair from the front row, walked up after Chris Rock had made a joke about his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and was joking about can't wait for G.I. Joan 2 to come out because she was bald because she suffers from alopecia, which is a hair loss condition. Will Smith gets up on stage, smacks Chris Rock across the face, and then sits back down and screams profanities at him, saying, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth. And all of a sudden, I mean, one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life happening at this level. And I got to tell you, bro, I had no interest in watching the Oscars. I barely knew it was coming out. Matter of fact, I probably knew early in the week it was coming on, but I watch so little TV these days, bro. I mean, so little TV that um, I didn't even know it was coming on. So I'm getting up the next morning on my way to the gym. Uh, I might have been, even been sitting in the sun. I can't remember. But I'm strolling, scrolling through Twitter, yeah, and I see this Will Smith smacks Chris Rock. I don't think it's true. So I get off of Twitter because I go, I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because why would why why would Will uh, Smith slap Chris Rock at the Oscars? Nope, not gonna get me this time. So I get out of Twitter, I go Google it, and here come the stories. Page six, People Magazine, L.A. Times. I go, oh my yeah. God, this is real. It is, I mean, it, it, it's stunning in the moment where you don't know what's happening. And, and, you know, I'm not a censorship fan. It drives me insane. And I think it's really odd that we're sitting there, you're watching an award ceremony, celebrating movies that have all kinds of different things in them, including <laughs> it, like gratuitous Nudity. uses of the F word. 
And yet you bleep it out when it's said on television at the ceremony. It's just kind of ironic. But very quickly on Twitter, Japanese TV and Australian TV showed the whole thing without censoring it. And I'm sitting there going, because I got to tell you, when it, I thought it was a, a staged bit right. until he sat back down. And then when he is screaming the F word, I said, he knows he's on live television. And he is doing this with the risk that if the, if they don't catch it, you're just screaming the F word on live television in front of all these people. And the fact, I thought, if, it, if it's staged, which I don't believe it is, like after seeing it and, and reading about it, I think it's 100% that he just lost it for a second. Now, I do have a couple of friends. One guy at the station believes it's staged. And I thought, okay, if it was staged... He had won Best Actor at the SAG Awards, at the Golden Globes, at pretty much every major awards of award season. He had to have known there's probably minimum 80% chance I'm winning Best Actor tonight. Right. Why would, if it was staged, he risk what's happening, which is nobody's talking about him as Richard Williams. Nobody's talking about his performance in the movie. Everybody's talking about the slap. And the fact that he had no idea how the Academy would react. If you stage that and you get up there and slap him, for all you know, they say, hey, look, if, if it's Will Smith's name on the card, immediately cut to commercial. We're not, we're not putting him on TV again. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds cute when you say it. But if you just go back and think about it, it doesn't make any sense for it to be staged. Yeah, just like, it's sensible like you're talking about. It, there's Why would you stage it? That's the thing. And people go, oh, well, because the Oscars ratings have fallen off. Okay, so they wanted to boost the last 15 minutes of the Oscars? Um, you know, the other thing is that uh, um, just the way the joke came out, it to me it sounded like an ad lib. Even from the jump, it didn't yeah. sound like it was part of the teleprompter jokes is like i mean but you know i think it was chris rock being a comedian he looked out there he saw jay to go oh gij <laughs> i mean you know i don't i don't think he had any idea that anything remotely close to this kind of fallout was going to happen no not at all and, and it, it's now i thought originally i was like okay if it's real why didn't he punch him like why slap him and i will Ooh, tell you this and, and, and i talked about this on my show I was in theater, as many people know that listen to us regularly. I did theater all through high school. I did theater all through college. I've done some community theater and stuff. I took a lot of training and classes, especially when I was in college. I took a semester of stage combat. And the way that he hit Chris Rock in the way that Rock kind of positioned himself yeah. is, is, I'll never forget this. This is true, man. One day in my stage combat class, we spent about 30 minutes slapping each other in the face. Like for real? For real, hitting each other, yes. And we, <laughs> it was to teach us, because you can fake a punch and there's different ways you can do it, you know, but like on stage, it's very easy. Like you can just take the slap and make it real. And they, they were teaching us how to hold our body and how to hold our faces. And then also as the person slapping, how to slap in the way that they did that slap, it looked like that to me. But the, the aftermath of it is where I go, okay, well, that's weird then if that was staged. Well, let me see. Did it look like that? Because like you, they're both trained actors, and that's the way they – It could be. Like being real fighters, their natural reaction well, I mean, to go back to their training, and this is how you 
because you slap somebody even if it's in WWE it's because it's the height of disrespect I mean I could punch you because you're a grown ass man but when I slap you I'm trying to hurt you as well as disrespect you actually to disrespect you is a more is a bigger and deal than to hurt you maybe that's what it was then and, and or maybe it was will smith going i mean he trained as muhammad ali he has serious high level boxing training maybe he was like if i punch this dude i might kill him but i'll slap him like a little bitch yeah i think uh i think that has a lot to do with it i mean that's why the word bitch slap comes into play yeah that's true yeah and and it was just it's so bizarre and you know, the whole aftermath of the LAPD putting out the statement that he is, Chris Rock is not going to press charges, and then Will Smith having to issue this massive apology. I mean, it, it was absolutely wild. And it's really unfortunate because, I mean, I talked about that, sh- that movie, King Richard. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought he was brilliant as Richard Williams, and it really took away from all of that. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, any, all anybody's been talking about for the last two days or three days is... This is a slap heard around the world. Ain't nobody even talked about the movie. Yeah, man. I mean, and I don't see, and I just don't know that if you don't care about the Oscars already, I don't know why a moment like that would motivate you to watch it next year. No, because that ain't never going to happen again because <laughs> right. now they're going to have mean, security around the stage so that you can't walk up there and uh, slap somebody. Now, what did you think? Because I've been having debates with, like, uh, one of my good friends said uh, she thought that um, – Chris was about to swing back on him, but kind of caught himself. And I was like, I think being, I said, Will Smith's a much bigger dude than yeah. him. I don't think he wanted that smoke, but comedians can, can, can slice and dice you with their mouth. I thought he was about to say something about, you know, August and the entanglement. And he, he went back and caught himself and thought better of it. Yeah, I, I think... It looked like that in the moment, and I think you're right. He probably composed himself and said, I'm just going to have to be like, what the hell is that, and and, and make a joke about it and try to move forward here because that could have gotten ugly as hell. Dude, I mean, if he goes, you didn't have that approach when August was banging your wife. Yeah. Well, now we got a full-fledged brawl because he can't let that go. <laughs> I mean, you know, but that's what everybody thought. Every, I mean, how many things have you seen where people were going, it's funny that that's what sets Will Smith off. And if Chris Rock had just come down and, and pulled his pants down in front of his wife's face, Will Smith would be like, oh, no, that's cool. Well, you know, the other thing is, and it's all, I mean, we're all interpreting this because we don't know. Now, quick aside, I can't wait for Chris Rock's next comedy tour. <laughs> Which is like about to launch. He's touring with Kevin Hart, apparently. Oh, Oh, see, I was just joking. I didn't know he had a real tour coming up. Yeah, he does, yeah. Oh, dude, that, that, you know, that's going to be hilarious because he's going to talk about it on the, on the tour, and it's going to be phenomenal. Um, but I was just like, dude, um, I just, all the things that could have gone wrong, I just, you know, I just, I just didn't see that thing coming. No, nobody did. I mean, you would never see anything like that. As a matter of fact, Chris Rock is this weekend. He is in Boston, and he'll be in Boston for a few days. Then he goes to Atlantic City. He's got shows coming up in Reno, in Florida. I mean, he is he's on tour right now, apparently. And, and so you know, and that's what I'll be very curious, is if his next show after this, which it looks like it is, is Wednesday, March 30th, in Boston, yeah. He, what's he gonna say about it? How does he dude, address this, dude? It's what comedians do. I mean, Richard Pryor talked about burning himself up on a crack pipe. Yeah, I mean, it's what comedians do. Bro. Very true. 
you know, Dave Chappelle has talked about all this stuff. He's been. I mean, I this mean, is what comedian. This is what comedians do. Um, and I'm like you. Um, you know, should now we can't have comedians anywhere because you know every time somebody makes fun of something, we we got to go slap them. That's what comedians do. You know, whenever I've talked to my friends about this, like I know the rules. If you go into a real comedy show, one, you don't show up late. Yeah. Or if you do, you're sitting way in the back where they can't see you. And you have no desire to sit anywhere close to the front unless you really don't mind the uh, the potential that you're going to be the foil, the the part of sure. somebody's joke. Yeah, you've seen I mean, that many, many cool, times. Bro. I mean, go watch any live comedy special. And, you know, I've watched all of the Dave Chappelle stuff on Netflix. I mean, he's always pointing at people at the crowd saying something or that. I mean, that's what it is. That That's part of it. And we can't then get mad that you went to a comedy show and oh they said something a joke that you didn't like that's not what comedy is about dude <laughs> i mean that's always i mean i it, it's one of those things that comics get a lot of leeway because there's a lot of the times that they are kind of the sword of truth on a variety of different issues and they do it in a way of making fun about things now yes you can say chris rock shouldn't have made the joke you know, maybe he didn't know what she was suffering about. And there's a history between all of them anyway. And, and you wonder if that was a, a barb. And, and, and who knows? Maybe in hindsight, he looks back and goes, okay, I pushed it too far. Shouldn't have done that. But that being said, never should an audience member go on stage and assault somebody on stage. Okay, now we always talked about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. About the whole, you'd like to think... If there's a burning building, you'd run inside to save somebody, even if it meant losing your own life. You'd like to think you'd be that, you'd have that kind of nobility. And I think we all would if we knew it was our kid, but or our relative. But what if it was a stranger? Would you have? Would you do it? So, if you're Chris Rock, and and you're 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 emceeing some event, Matt, and somebody comes up and slaps the shit out of you like that, I already know what Matt's doing. But what do you think you would do, Matt? And I'm the guy like giving a performance. Yeah, you're up there on stage. You're you're, you're a big time radio host in uh, in Birmingham now. You know, I believe there's something somewhere that says you're one of the top midday hosts in America. I mean, I think that's the rumor out there these days. I probably honestly, I don't think I would physically respond because it doesn't do you any good. I, I would right. have security. I'd have them arrested and I'd probably press charges, and I would let them know. I mean. Some lessons in life are hard to, to learn. You cannot, as adult people, physically assault people out of the blue. Right. That's why you go to middle school and high school and you learn you can't do that. <laughs> and I've had a situation like that where somebody did assault me and I did press charges. Now, I, I wasn't performing, but I was waiting tables at Fridays in Fort Worth. This is years ago. Somebody came in and stood like off to the side. And so... Another couple came in behind and the hostess set them and this dude gets all pissed off. Like I was here first and you know, how, why would you seat them ahead of me? And she's like, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were waiting for somebody. You didn't say anything. I, I apologize. And he was just like going off on her. I go, dude, it's like, what is your problem? I was like, you know, this is some high school girl. She didn't see you. We'll, we'll get you a table. And he starts getting in my face and I was like, you need to back off. He goes, what do you do? I was like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you out and all this stuff. And I go, okay, do it. I said, hit me. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to take a swing. And if you hit me, I'm not going to hit you back. I'm going to call the cops and you're going to go to jail, dumbass. Sure enough, that guy hit me. And I, I just started laughing. 
I mean, I, 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 and by that time, like all these other waiters and stuff had come over and Amir's like, oh, and you know, they're trying to pull this guy away and I'm just laughing. I go call the cops and I, and they called the cops and I told him, I was like, this is what happened. This is how it is. And I told the guys, I, I, I literally told you to your face what I was going to do. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I, he's like, you're a pussy and all this. I'm like, okay, cool. You're going to jail. Enjoy it. It's just not worth it in life, man. To me, the only thing that I think I would violently physically react to is kind of like what Will Smith did in defense of the lady. Right. Like I, people could, somebody hits me, depending on the scenario, uh, most likely that's my response is, well, this is going to be a very expensive lesson for you. But right. if somebody messes with the lady, that would set me off in a way. Now, I don't think it would be a joke, but I don't know, honestly. I mean, if somebody were to say something to her that attacked her, I'd be very defensive about that. And I don't know that I would immediately physically assault them. But it, it 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 that would be a different scenario. Yeah, I'm trying to think about me, bro. And uh, you know, most people don't know this about me. Matt, well, I don't even know if you've ever seen, it, but you know, I go. I'm actually very laid back, and I, you know, I'm not much of a reactionary dude. But I can go zero to a hundred real quick. And so I would think, I think if somebody slapped me like that. I would probably react. Now, I would think, I would like to think maybe I wouldn't, but I probably would. But then again, I'm also the kind of person who I like to, you know, like, you know, sometimes if you, like, if if you're dealing with somebody who's a much bigger, physically superior to you, and it's something like that, I'm much more apt to fight in a, as I like to say, in a paper way, where I'm going to do the mat, take you to court, and I'm going to do all these other things Yeah, where, where the ground is more favorable for me to win as opposed to the physical thing. But it's a, it's, it's a really interesting thing because, again, nobody knows what you do until you're actually in that scenario. Right, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I think if you've been hit in the face before, you're a little bit more prepared for it because, it, like, yeah, it hits you, but you're like, all right, fine, that's what we're doing. And so, I, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, being randomly punched in the face or randomly hit, and I've had it happen to me on a variety of occasions. I mean, I've been in, in bar scuffles and whatnot and, and the, that type of thing. Uh, it's okay, a weird okay. deal, man. Well, see, I'm also thinking about on these real instances where I've had in the locker room with people, you know, there's a reason why Charles Haley chased me out of the locker room. It's because I said something you know, that perhaps I shouldn't say it. And there's a reason why, you know, I had a confrontation with Dick. I mean, yeah. I've had these different things in the locker room because I typically don't back down because I think you look like a, in that environment, you don't want to look like people can bully you. You know, so I don't know, bro. Yeah, I have been it, known to have road rage on occasion. Yeah, and that's the thing is I always try to remember <laughs> now, like, okay, you're going to go off on somebody on the road. For all you know, they're that guy that has a gun that's just going to shoot you. Yeah, so I don't know. Plus, I was looking at my uh, I was looking at my uh, birth chart. I've got so much air, which means I mean Earth, which means I think about everything before I act. But then you know I'm also an emotional dude too. So yeah, I've I've tried to get a lot better at not being as reactionary and just being calm. Bitch. Well, you know they're they're. <laughs> I mean, okay. But see, like for me, like a lot of the times, jump through the line. And like I said, like if it's me. <laughs> 
Like, honestly, like if somebody were to randomly hit me somewhere, my first thought, like, calm me is sitting here going, if I react to that, then I'm, I could lose my job and a lot more damage might come to me just from that versus true being that, like, you know that. what? Cool, dude, you got me. And now this we're going through the court system on this and we'll see how they like it. But the thing that, like I said, I'm very protective in that realm with my lady and my, my kid where that would be something where if I saw something like that happening, I think I would just lose it and go off. I mean, I, I tell you straight up, like if somebody were to push my, my lady friend or, or do something like that to her, I don't even, I wouldn't even hesitate. Right. Like, like it's something would just snap in me. And, and I, I would hope that I, I don't destroy that person. <laughs> and it's the same thing for my kid. Like if I was walking around and some dude, and this is what I, I, I hope, I mean, if, if he was to ever get bullied, I mean, your gut as a, as a parent, I just want to run up to the other kid and just deck him. But you can't do that. You can't do that. So I would go kid, after their man. parent and be like, what are you doing? You know? And I would lose it a little bit because I'd be, I'm very touchy with, with that stuff. More, like way more so than I would be on my own self. All right. I got you. I mean, I don't even know. Like if we were walking around somewhere, you know, it's that whole, what were you, what would you do if we were walking through the crowd and some guy like grabbed my ass? I was like, I don't know. Hopefully I wouldn't just turn around and punch him in the face. But I might. But I might. And I might make sure he doesn't ever do that to somebody ever again. Try to get him on the ground and break all of his fingers. <laughs> but grab it now, asshole. You know, so then that's where like psycho Matt like kind of comes out to play, I guess. I'm, I'm with you. I'd probably react to that. <laughs> what a weird conversation. <laughs> But I think a lot of us, like, and, and that's like the Will Smith thing. You know, he was like, I'm, de I'm defending, like Richard Williams defended his family, and he felt like he was defending it, but there was such a better way in that moment that he could have defended her, I felt like, than walking on stage and doing that. But I well, guess see, he didn't see it like that. In, in rage of the moment, you never know. Well, the other thing is, bro, I mean, he was laughing when the first yeah. was told, yeah. but then she didn't find it funny. And so he's like, oh. Perhaps it's not funny. Perhaps I need to react. And maybe she gave him that look like there will be there will never be ever be any happy time for you. It'll all go to August if you don't defend my honor right here. Yeah, it could be. Who knows? I mean, as we all know, it's family and love, as he said, can make you do crazy things where you look back and you go, oh my God, I totally overreacted. I shouldn't have done that. True that. True that. So maybe that's what it was. Who knows? But what a wild, wild ass moment that was. It is time. We do it pretty much every week. We check in with our ESPN Cowboys insider, brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group, Todd Archer joining us. And Todd, Jerry finally spoke at the owners' meetings in, in Palm Beach, had some interesting things to say. Where do you want to start with that? Anything that, that jumped out to you from Jerry's thoughts that were shared? First off, I, I wasn't there, so just to let the listener know that I was not a part, part of the group that talked to him. So mm -hmm. we're, we're going off what we we read from all those guys down there um i mean he, he it was a lot of jerry's speech um to where where it just kind of goes in circles and doesn't really say much of anything but I, I i thought that when he comes out just talking about the culture of the place that he believes there is a a good culture at the cowboys and they do put best practices in place and they have all these things i will say just from what I've known, say from, I'm trying to remember when they hired the new HR person, how many years ago, they were still at Valley Ranch, I know that, that there has been a significant change in how 
the human resources aspect of the job is much greater than what it was when I first started covering the team, um, where they talked to employees and tried to uh, make things more inclusive and things like that. That, that I do know. So uh, I, I get where Jerry's coming from, but it doesn't matter. The headlines are still the headlines that are coming out of there. People are still going to think it's, you know, a, 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 a party boy atmosphere and not something that's serious. So uh, I'm talking in circles now too, like Jerry. I don't know where to go after this one. <laughs> well, I guess here's a bigger question: Do you uh, you do you are you, do you get down with their offseason approach? And I'm not just talking about whether they sign a guy like Bobby Wagner or you know who they sign, but just this seems to me like they're really concerned about getting the books and the salary cap right when it seems like your core of players is aging quickly. And if you're going to do anything with this core, you know, Zach, Tyron, DeMarcus, Zeke, whomever, dude, screw the budget. You got to go win, bro. Right. And we've, how many times have we heard Jerry say the, the biggest regret he's had is not winning a Super Bowl if Romo is a quarterback. Well, it's trending in the same direction. That is either it will equal his biggest regret or be his second biggest regret or actually be his biggest regret that they will not win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as his quarterback. It's just a circular deal with how this is trending. Uh, it was the same thing for for Romo, right? In 2009, when they make the playoffs and they win a playoff game, we're all under the assumption that, here we go, okay, 07, they had their setback, 08, man, what a mess that was. But 09, they won it, 10 will be the year, and they go 1-7 or whatever it was, and they fire Wade in the middle of the season. Well, now with Dak, it's like, okay, you got the quarterback in place, then you got him on a rookie deal, and now you've missed that window. Okay, now you got Dak's on long term. Well, we can't keep anybody now that Dak has signed this $40 million contract. We got to get rid of the $20 million receiver. We got to get rid of the $10 million right tackle because, well, we're lucky there because his suspension voided the guaranteed money that was still ahead of him. And now, you know, you're left wondering. Are they better than they were a year ago? Or, or are they better when the season ended in, in 2021? And the answer is no, they're not better. It doesn't mean they can't eventually be better and have better play from the guys that remain and the guys that they sign and the guys that they draft. But, yeah, when you see – I think this is as frustrated as I've ever heard the Cowboys fan base in the 17, 18 years I've been covering them in terms of their approach, especially when you see – what some of the other teams have done, including the Rams, who said FM picks and salary cap, schmallery cap, we're just going to go out and, and buy ourselves a Super Bowl. That's not exactly what they did. It's kind of what they did, but it worked for them. And I think if you can win, if you can win a Super Bowl, guarantee that the Cowboys will win a Super Bowl in the next three years. I don't think fans will care eight years down the road what happens to your five years down the road, what happens to your salary cap. They just want right. to be able to win one again. God, that's the truth. I mean, I, it wouldn't if you could just win a Super Bowl. Who cares at all in in the in the years? To me, like you could win a Super Bowl and then go two and thir- whatever it is, two and fifteen for five straight years. And like, yeah, well, we finally ended the Super Bowl, though that was pretty awesome. And I think that's where the frustration comes in. You kind of alluded to it, Todd, talking about you see what some of the other teams are doing and some of the moves that teams are making. And granted, I'm not not the Jacksonvilles who had a ton of cap space and things, but like whether it was the Rams or some of the quarterback moves that we see where it feels like, okay, so the Cowboys couldn't pay Amari Cooper, 
But the Browns could pay Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper and have Miles Garrett. And I think they've got like seven dudes making over $14 million a year on their cap. So how come they can figure it out, but the Cowboys can't? Well, but, but here's the deal I think we're missing about the Amari Cooper thing. It's not that the Cowboys couldn't do it. And it's not that the Cowboys, and a side note here quickly, it's not that they can't go out and sign anybody that they want in free agency. It's they're choosing not to. This is their plan and how they want to go about it. Now, on the Amari Cooper thing, if they would just stick to their stories, and what Jerry explained, and one of the things that we can talk about from the owners' meetings is the allocation of money, they, they, they felt they were better served to put it somewhere else. That's a polite way of saying they don't think Amari Cooper was worth $20 million a year, which is fine, which is, okay, there's your decision. But don't come out and say, well, if we kept Amari Cooper, we wouldn't have been able to keep Michael Gallup. Okay, then you should have kept the better receiver, and that's a healthy Amari Cooper. At, at you know, uh, granted, at twenty million dollars compared to what you know, Gallup feels twelve million bucks or on rough on average. Um, just stick with it. We didn't think Amari Cooper was worth the twenty million bucks a year. That's what Jerry said, essentially, and, and that's fine. Okay, then you're able to keep Gallup. You're able to get Schultz on the franchise tag, and you're able to sign James Washington for effectively $20 million in cap figures this year. So you got three guys for one. It, I know people don't want to hear that, and it's not what they're talking they, they, – they're done with that talk. I, I get it, but just be consistent in your story. Like, just say your allocation of money, you didn't think Amari was worth it, so they moved on. Now, it does raise other questions that we have not gotten good answers on of, well, how come – the Packers were able to trade Devontae Adams and get back what they got back. And how come the Chiefs were able to trade Tyree Kill for what they got back from Miami Dolphins? Part of me says, well, this is what the league thinks is Amari Cooper. They don't really think he's worth $20 million either. So that's why the market for him was so limited. Not that the Cowboys said, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're going to trade you or cut you. I, I don't think it was that because if someone really wanted him, they would have paid more than a fifth round pick that, that Cleveland came up to, to get him. That, you know, just stick with the stories. Just, just, just don't try and be polite to everybody. Just say, we didn't think he was worth the money and stick with that. And then, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be, you'll be proven right or wrong in the next two, three years by how he plays in Cleveland and by how Michael Gallup plays here. And if you trust your um, evaluation process, you're going to think Gallup will, be, will do more than what Amari's going to do for a better price. I'm okay with that. As far as sticking to stories, man, they're doing the same thing with Randy Gregory. Not was at first it was uh this language, and so you know that's why the deal didn't get done, and we're kind of disappointed in that. Um, and now it's oh well we you know we wanted to sign three players instead of him, and we were able to get it done. I'm just like dude, come on now. Right, you thought you had a deal done with Randy, so let's not <laughs> you, you know let's not act like we you just reversed course. Now, it might turn out to be a situation where it was a better decision to, to well, that, that Gregory made the decision for them by going to Denver, especially now when you see the report that he needs uh, rotator cuff surgery that's going to keep him out of the entire offseason program uh, as they re- rework his shoulder. So maybe that's going to be a decision that Denver made for them that actually ends up benefiting the Cowboys, again, Maybe not this year, but two, three, four years down the road, where 
or I guess two years on there because that's all the guaranteed money was put in to where Randy has not performed. It, it would be interesting to know, would he have had shoulder surgery if he remained with the Cowboys? I don't know if he would have. Um, was that a reason for the delay of the contract signing in Denver? I think it might have been. And if did any of the structure of that deal change based on the shoulder? That, did they throw in the per-game roster bonuses in there um, that the Cowboys didn't have in their contract after they took a look at his shoulder? It's all interesting stuff. But, again, Randy Gregory's gone in Denver, and he's playing there. He's not coming back. So move on and try and find people that can replace him either in free agency. And I know Jacques keeps retweeting his deal about Jadavion Clowney, so he's still standing on that hill. Um, or and maybe it's him, maybe it's Jason Pierre-Paul, and or draft a guy and and hope that Dante Fowler can re- regain some form that he's the guy that can get you six sacks uh, this season. I like the way he slid that in there, Matt, that he can get you six mm-hmm. sacks because that's really all Randy Gregory's ever done. Yeah. Pretty much. At least Clowney's been right. able to do more yeah. than that. Right. They, they gave him 94, hoping he would be the next DeMarcus Ware. He, he wasn't the next DeMarcus Ware, obviously. And he was probably close. No, I'm not going to say it. He wasn't DeMarcus Ware. Because <laughs> I don't know who wore 94 back in the day. That was a disappointing pass rusher between <laughs> Ware and Haley. I'm sure there were a few, but yeah, Randy Gregory yeah. was not DeMarcus Ware. And we talked about that, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Like, I, I didn't have any problem. They didn't sign him because I thought that the number that came in, I was like, man, I I wouldn't have thought Randy Gregory gets that. But it is interesting when the money was available for Randy Gregory, but, oh, we didn't get Gregory. So instead of going out and, and a variety of other free agents that may be out there, let's sign Leighton Vander Esch and Dorrance Armstrong to an extension, and that'll be okay because those three pieces equal a Randy Gregory. Yeah, that's how they're looking at it. And I kind of explained it on the offensive side of the ball and getting rid of uh, Amari Cooper. You're able to put 10.9 on Dalton Schultz. You're able to put 5.2 this year in on um, Gallup and basically a million bucks, say, on James Washington. Whereas if you have Amari at 20 million bucks, maybe you're not able to do that or you have to restructure Amari's contract, which is another thing that they didn't want to do. They, they walked us through the Amari decision all along by never restructuring his contract last year. So the surprise over where they went, I was just wanted to be like, what, what do y'all been watching? And that, and I wrote this too, is like for all the disappointment of what the Cowboys haven't done in free agency, they tell us every year what they're going to do. So either keep fighting it and get mad at it or go root for another team at this point, because this is how they're building. You can disagree with it all you want, but this is how they're going to do it. And, if you want to, I'm not saying a fan doesn't have a right to pitching and playing because they do, but at some point you're just fighting against the the tides that aren't going to stop. So move on. Like why why subject yourself to such misery if you know they're not going to go sign Bobby Wagner, who by the way has been available before free agency started and is still available as we're into phase 28 of free agency. I don't think anybody's going to pay him $11 million bucks at this point, right? Well, like, know. if that's what he's truly looking for. Like, good in Seattle, there, there's 31 other teams that haven't signed him either. So maybe well, everybody's yeah. thinking, this guy's not as good as, as – he's not Bobby Wagner anymore, which it seems to be the other teams in the league are saying. 
Well, I think it's a classic case of ain't no pay, ain't nobody trying to pay no 32-year-old inside linebacker that kind of money. And then I think it said he had 170 tackles last year. I don't think they were a great defense. Somebody had to make those tackles. And it's not a slam on him. It's just, dude, at, at your age, if you want to go win a ring, take less money and go win a ring. If you just want to get paid, which is cool, I'm good either approach. Uh, ain't nobody paying you 11 mil, bro, at that well, age. Well, this is not right. And here's, again, about the Cowboys' approach, but how they use, they're going to use their second linebacker because Mike is going to remain a linebacker. He's not moving full-time to defensive end. He's going to remain – Remain a linebacker. So that second linebacker, if you use Van Der Esch and Keanu Neal last year as like the the allocation of that position, it, it's it's sixty percent of the snap. So you're really going to tie up eleven million dollars and a guy who's going to make play sixty percent of the snap? Again, no, doesn't seem to be a great allocation of the way you should use your money. I, I, I'm not defending the plan. I'm explaining the plan, and I think that's where. People just don't want to hear the Cowboys' explanation on anything, which is fine. You feel that way, but just know that this is what they think. They're not paying their second linebacker that much money when he it's not that big, vital of a position in their minds. They'd rather have Leighton back at, I think his cap number is like $2 million or $2.5 million bucks this year. Right. And oh, by the way, J. Ron Kirst, he's effectively a linebacker. He's not a safety. I said, please tell me I said J. Ron, not Javon. I said J-Ron, right? Yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. He's effectively a linebacker, too. Like, their their defense is basically three safeties. Their, their base defense is a three-safety look, effectively. Right? And, and that's where this game is going. Look at the Patriots. They have some really good safeties, and they just brought in Jabril Peppers. Uh, now he's coming off a torn ACL, but he's, he's another safety. Like, they, they've got four guys that played really well for them on their defense last year. And now they just added a fifth. That kind of tells you where the game's going. It's not the the typical, okay, here's your three linebackers that you're going to have out there. It's really you got one and a half linebackers out there all the time. Well, what is it? They played their base 4-3 defense 1% of the time last year or something like that? Yeah. Again, I don't know yeah, if that's the, the base the, anymore. The nickel is the base. Right. No, <laughs> their base defense is three safeties, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, that I mean, and obviously three safeties and three corners. If that's and my math probably all I've probably got fifteen guys on the field that I like just explained all that, <laughs> no, but I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> it's basically a big dime. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it it's one of those things. I mean, it's typical and, and you're right, this is what the Cowboys do. I d I don't know why anybody's surprised by it, but it just I guess it's this offseason because Jacques and I were talking about this. It feels like this is the craziest NFL offseason that we've seen yet because of the amount of names prominent names that teams are just trading and eating cap space and figuring out all these different things like more so than a normal NFL offseason because of the quarterbacks that have been moving around right and it's it is turning more into the NBA where you're trading stars right we, we you've not really seen GMs in the past in the NFL be willing to make these kind of moves now that I'm not talking about like the Deshaun Watson trade because that was a trade that had to happen because of what happened off the field but, you know, the Devontae Adams trade, that never would have happened before, even if Devontae Adams said, I'm never playing in Green Bay. Well, <laughs> back in the day, the Packers said, fine, then you're not playing. Like, where are you going to go? You know what I'm saying? Well, then they said, okay, where can we send them? What can we get back for them? Okay, here we go. This is the package we'll take. I think the dynamics of how general managers look at roster building has changed, and that's probably the dynamic where Cowboys fans are wondering, 
okay, you, you, you save this money for a rainy day. When's the rainy day coming to go out and make the Von Miller trade last year, make the Odell Beckham, sign, Beckham signing last year, make, you know, the, the, the last time the Cowboys made a big in-season trade was Roy Williams, and they got burned by him in Detroit in 2008, 9, 8, whatever year it was. And that didn't work out for him. So maybe that trade, as well as the Brandon Carr signing, has scared the Cowboys from, and I just gave Jacques Taylor a freaking story idea. Dang it. Maybe that <laughs> trade you, and the Brandon Carr and the Brandon Carr signing has is, scarred is the Cowboys from going out and signing high price free agents and going out and making bold trades. Hey, look for that tomorrow morning. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, <laughs> but, I, should get some, I should get some of that those clicks back too. you should and but it is interesting because you wonder where it comes from is i mean did brandon carr scar them so badly because and he like brandon carr was bad right and brandon that's carr the thing was a good solid player it's he didn't suck and that's what i don't get and, and not just that it's not like i mean other teams are signing other teams free agents and and they have success doing that now granted does every big name free agent end up panning out no but other teams will continually go out here and do this and, and you'll see like zadarius smith or somebody like that who's not 32 or 33 years old that you could have gotten for less than you wanted to pay Randy Gregory hypothetically well, I mean the same. well whatever it is and 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 so yeah. but it's like that type of thing where you look at it and you say okay somebody who's been productive granted coming off on an injury but they just seem so scared to be like it's almost as if well then why is this guy a free agent if he's that good it's a weird mentality it feels like right and i think some of it falls in line of them I don't know this. This is just my, and, and I don't even think this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. This is an element of they always want to win the deal, right? They are like, you know, if, if you look, when I'll throw out the contract terms and some of the guys that they've added or re-signed, like the, the initial reaction was like, they gave Michael Gallup 67 and a half million bucks. Well, if you really break it down, it's 52 and a half million dollars. He's got to play every single game over the next five years to get to 57 and a half. And then he's got to be Jerry Rice to get to 62 and a half. So, or 67 and a half, I'm sorry. Uh, so, you know, then when the people see that, they're like, oh, it's actually a really good deal. And then, like, you know, like the, the curse deal, oh, that's, that's a really good deal. Oh, but they got James Washington on a veteran salary benefit deal with less than a million. Wow, that's a really good deal. So, I mean, and that's, that's not – like that shouldn't be a slam because doesn't every team want to win the deal? Because in a salary cap league, you have to, it is how you allocate your money and, and where you go about putting together your assets to, to make up your team. Yeah. But there has to be some exceptions to the rule. And I think they've, they've yet to get to the exceptions to the rule part of it in their roster building and how they want to go. They, they want to be a draft and develop team, which is fine, but there's also got to be, recognizing areas of weakness on your team and then how you can get better. Like they're basically telling us they are drafting an offensive lineman at number 24 in the first round with what they've not done so far. Right. Yeah. So pencil in the A&M guard, pencil in the Boston college guard, pencil in the Iowa safety, pencil in, um, I don't want to say the central Michigan tackle, but there'll be a tackle there. Like, that's where they're going because if you look at what they've not done so far, they've not added anything on their offensive line yet. And that, uh, and they, and they lost and Collins is gone and, and Connor Williams is gone. That, that group's not better. 
right? And, and Tyron Smith is getting older, right? And you still don't know about Tyler Bionic. And yeah, okay, you might think Terrence Hill is ready to be the guy. And he's done for an undrafted free agent his first two years has exceeded expectations. But now how does he do when he is the guy coming in and people are expecting him to be the, the right tackle and, and it be a, a, if not tier one, tier one and a half to two player? Uh, how does he handle that? So yeah, they're expecting they're, him to be a solid guy. They're expecting, they believe he's more than that. They, they think he's a decade long player. Like, like he'll be their right tackle for the next 10 years, which is also oh. kind of funny because 10 years is a lifetime in the NFL. And unless you sign him to a deal now, you're never going to get 10 years uh, out of a guy unless he's a quarterback. So, but the point stands that they think like, but he's a guy. You better sign him to an extension now or else he's going to be too much money for you down the road. And if you're his agent, just wait. You don't need to sign anything right away. I know he's an undrafted guy. He's not made very much money yet, but you might be willing to wait. Or if you're going to be, or if you're going to do a deal, make a short-term deal so he's back out on the market when he's 27 years old. Now he'll get one of those, uh, whose contract is it? Maybe a tyrant, the low-level yeah. Tyron Smith deal. Right, and then that Tyron deal, as soon as Tyron signed it, every agent in the NFL can say, oh, my God, that's a terrible deal. Why would he have ever signed that? <laughs> well, he's, still, he's made every penny that he that is on that deal, and he's not get, not in danger of being released yet, and he's still a really good player for the Cowboys when he's healthy, and I realize he's not been fully healthy in the last five-plus seasons. I always thought that was a good deal. Sometimes Moore is, is – um... Sometimes more is not the way you want to go. You just want to get all of it. And I'll take less if I'm never really going to be in danger of being a salary cap cut because I don't make that much money, but I still make more than enough money to do whatever it is that I want to do. Jason Witten was like that. Jason Witten could have got more money if he just waited. And he did his last two big deals. If he just waited a little bit longer, he probably could have gotten an extra five or six million each time. You know, and, and now – you know, and here's a guy, I don't know how much he's made in his career, but I, I, I'll i be safe to bet that he's living comfortably for the rest of his life, that if he chooses not to coach Liberty Christian right. football anymore, he doesn't need to do anything other than just be Jason Witten for the rest of his life. No, I think, uh, you know, I, I had, I think I told Matt this, maybe I didn't, I can't remember, but uh, I was I was working out a deal with uh, one of my clients for the uh, – JJT Media Group, and we had come to an agreement, and they were happy. Stop laughing, Archer. And they were happy, and they called me up and said, "Hey, um, we're gonna bump your money up." And I and I literally said, "If you're going to then tell me a year from now that you can't afford me, just keep it where it's at, cause I'm good." And they're like, "No, no, no." I said, "Don't lie to me, cause I, I have no interest." I I literally said, "Cause I have no interest in being a salary cap casualty." And they started laughing. I said, "You laughing? I'm serious as a heart attack." He's like, no, no, we're good. And I said, okay, well then I'll take it. But it's the same thing. I'll take less if I just keep getting it every every month and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, very true. Kind of like yeah, but, Arch. And, and we have, I, I agree with everything you just said because I, I'm on contract with ESPN and I want to get to a point, I don't want to be at a point where they're looking at me and I'm like, why are we paying that guy that much money just to do this? And we can go get somebody else who's a lot cheaper and to do the yeah. same thing. So, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be, put yourself in this, in a situation in anything in life, whether there's a salary cap or not, where all of a sudden you're in the crosshairs for something that you have no control over. 
Man, that's very true. Football. This isn't even football talk now anymore. Let's get back on the football so I don't use that against me in my next. It's life lessons. (laughs) Life lessons. Anybody who's on a contract, that's the way it is. All right, here's a question. What's the worst thing that's happened to the cow football wise? What I you gotta say that, I guess now, right? What's the worst yep. thing that happened to the cow? But like who did what didn't happen or what has happened? He's like, Well that's bad. That's a, that's just an awful thing. They're not gonna be able to recover from that. Is there any off season? Yeah. That they're not gonna be able to recover from. Well, let me just make sure that mm-hmm. they're not gonna be able to recover from in the twenty twenty two season. Sure. Yeah. I really think it's letting Amari Cooper go. Yeah, that was my I first thought. Yeah. Because yeah. I think like is no it, like today, is Noah Brown the third receiver today? Because Michael Gallup ain't playing the, No, Michael oh, Gallup ain't playing the well, first two or three games. Well I would say today he probably is, but let's yeah. ask the question after April thirtieth and find out. When they take a receiver in the second round. When, right. And then, I just then we'll have think a better that, answer. I just think, bro, that Dak Prescott is not – he hasn't shown me that he's Romo and he's making – who's the dude he made all that money with 11 touchdowns one year? Miles Ross Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Maybe even Miles I – mean, so Dak is really, 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 really good. But I don't see him as a guy who elevates people to that level on a regular basis. And so – to me, he's a guy you want to make sure you keep a really good group around him. And instead, I mean, you got CeeDee Lamb, who I think is fine. You got injured Gallup. And then what have you got, bro? And if somebody gets hurt during the season, what have you got? I'm just Danny like. Tehoko. What'd you say? Danny <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and again, that they're, they're telling us. If they're telling us they're drafting an offensive lineman at 24, they're telling us they're drafting a receiver at 48 or whatever their second-round pick is at the moment, right. or, or at 88 in the third round, whatever that pick is going to be. Um, but, yeah, and they're also saying to me, you know, okay, we have a $40 million quarterback, and there are six of those in the league right now, and three of them just lost their $20 million receiver for whatever reason. But Devontae Adams gone, Tyreek Hill gone, Amari Cooper gone. Those quarterbacks all make 40-plus million bucks right there. The only reason right. that, um, you know, Matthew Stafford, is, he's a $40 million quarterback, but he's in the first year of his deal. Josh Allen is in the second year of his extension on an eight-year deal. So they can still keep Stephon Diggs. They can, in L.A., they can still keep um, Cooper Cup, who's making $14 bucks or something this year. So – that's another element of we got a $40 million quarterback. Our $40 million quarterback better be able to make these receivers better. Right. That That's a mm-hmm. fair assumption. And Dak, I, use the money analogy they use. I'd say Dak helped make Cedric Wilson the money in Miami. He, he's probably the, the, the first guy, right? I mean, Amari right. came here Not with pedigree as a first round pick. So I'm not going to give him credit for, I can't give him credit for for Amari just as I can't give Romo credit for Des Bryant. Des came here as a first round pick. That's right. you know, but but Romo can get a credit for Leron Robinson and Patrick Creighton and Miles Austin and you know those three guys that ended up with really nice paydays and really nice careers. 
uh, if well, at least very nice paydays in the Ron Robinson case. Right. Um, but that's what they're banking on Dak becoming that guy to make whoever they to make James Washington better than what he was in four years in Pittsburgh. And I do think that's a sneaky good and it will be a sneaky good signing for the Cowboys um, this year. I, I think that's a good one. They're, they're counting on Dak making CD better as well. And I'm, I don't mean to contradict myself because CD's a first round pick, but now that CD's going to be the number one, make him better, Dak. When Gallup's back, you just put 57 million bucks into him. Make him better, Dak. Noah Brown, make him better. Second round pick, make him better. That's the element of this. Again, the allocation of how you put your team together when you're paying that much money to a guy it's incumbent on the quarterback to make his receivers better. And, and this is another, we're probably long now. Hey man, it's not I don't sure. know where I, 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 I struggle with this one because like what did we said all along, and this isn't Dak related that I'm going to say this, but during the Dak talks, like, well, 40 million bucks, that's a quarterback get now. And it's going to, now it's going to be receivers, 25 million bucks. That's what receivers get now. That's what they get in, in defensive ends. Twenty-four million bucks. That's what they get now. If you don't think that that guy is worth that money, you you cannot sign it because well, that's what the market says now. You have to be of the conviction in your in yourself and the belief of how you're putting a team together that I'm paying forty million dollars to a quarterback, a twenty or the big money to a quarterback, a wide receiver, a defensive end, an offensive tackle. Because he's actually worth that money. And again, I'm not saying that about Dak. I don't want to be construed that it, I don't think he's worth 40. But oh, that's it, a cool the answer, Yeah. The answer can't be, <laughs> well, that's what the market is and that's what you got to pay. No, you got to pay the guy what you think he's worth. And if you don't think he's worth that, find the next guy. Whatever position is. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you, you can't just pay a guy because, well, that's what the market says. You got to pay. If you don't think he's worth it, you got to let a guy to walk on and they did that with Amari right yeah they didn't think it was worth 20 million bucks and they moved on after two years fair enough that was a good one today Todd long time we appreciate it well you skipped me last week I don't know what the heck was going on I thought you just punted me I thought I got I got thought I got a salary cap you came in looking for your jersey wasn't there no we didn't we we skipped an episode we skipped an episode last week and didn't record so we just forgot to tell you or I guess I forgot to tell you I'm sorry Unbelievable. I sat around all Tuesday waiting for the call, and I got nothing. Amazing. Look at God. Uh, we'll send you a $5 gift card in the mail. <laughs> to the JJT Media Group? Yeah, because that makes it tax deductible, my friend. <laughs> awesome. All right, Todd, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Yep. See, you. See you, fellas. Thanks. All right, there he is, our ESPN Cowboys insider. Good chat with him today, man. Yeah. Nothing well, like a little Todd Archer. Me. Uh, JJT Media Group is not a corporation, so there. No, it's good to have those. It's very <laughs> good to think? have those. Yes, you damn right. I do. I do very much think that that's very <laughs> true, actually. Todd, of course, is always brought to you by BlueStarMotorGroup.com. You can check them out, pick out a car. Head out on the web, man, and, and, and see if you can find something you like. They've got such a selection. They always have such a selection. It is the place to start your car buying process you need to start it with Blue Star Motor Group. It's very easy to get a hold of Deb. Her and her husband, Mike, they run the... It's it's a husband-wife team, man, and they, they're they just awesome. They kill it. They've been with us a long time. 
If you have a need for a vehicle, you got to get in touch with her. 817-881-4066. Superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles, all makes, all models, bluestarmotorgroup.com. Dude, the thing I love about them is that uh, they're always about trying to get a win-win. Everybody's not like that, man. So, yeah, I mean, we were just talking about the Cowboys. Cowboys like to win the deal. Deb and Mike, it's all about can we both be smiling when the handshakes are done and the paperwork is signed? Can we both be smiling? And that's why they work, man. They're about you. They get you exactly what you want. They, they give it to you for a fair price. And uh, to me, that's the best way to do business. Win, win. Everybody's happy. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Solutions, Aaron and his guys, his crew. Foundation, I tell you, man, foundation is one of those things you just do not want to mess with. You just don't. If you notice cracks, if you notice sticking doors, soil washout, it's one of those things, as soon as you notice stuff like that, you need to give Aaron and his team a call. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. They're going to come out, takes about 45 minutes, foundation repair if you let it go is extraordinarily expensive that's why you want to catch it as early as possible because you are potentially saving yourself thousands of dollars in damages catching drainage and foundation issues as early as possible bro it's one of the best things you can do is just have aaron and his crew come out and check it out and give you peace of mind to me that's the most important thing uh the worst thing a homeowner can ever hear is hey you got foundation problems yeah Dude, you don't want that kind of smoke and so what you, what you want to do is let aaron and his crew come out let him give you a home what we like to call a colonoscopy for your house and provide that peace of mind man because even if they do find something chances are it's in the early stages and it'll cost you a fraction to fix as if you let things go it's easy it's very easy to get a hold of them it's just a phone call 817 817- 770-0174 online at hfxfoundation.com. We wrap it up. I'm, I'm curious, do you have, and I'm curious what you think about this, this, this final four. Do you have any interest in it? Because, and I say this, it feels like it goes one of two ways. There's either a lot of interest in it because this is the bluest, bloodiest final four of all time. And I say that in a sense of, the four teams that made the Final Four, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Villanova, all four of them have three championships or more in their histories. It's the first time we've ever seen a Final Four where all four schools already had multiple championships. They combine for 17 national titles. There are eight schools in basketball history that have, four, that have three or more titles, just eight. Half of them are in this Final Four. Uh, let me see. I think I will probably uh, I'll take a look at it because uh, now for whatever reason, man, college basketball just doesn't excite me. Although uh, St. Peter's run was good, and, yeah. and I watched the first few minutes till they got destroyed right away. Um, but here, here's what I'm saying: like, obviously, I think Carolina Duke um, has some appeal because of their rivalry. It's in the Final Four. That to me is kind of magical. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll check that out. Uh, I really like Villanova. They, you know, nobody's, I mean, they just do what they do. They play basketball. And uh, Jay Wright's got them in a really good spot for the last decade, it seems like. And they're, they're a threat to win it almost every year these days. Um, and so I'm like this. Now, take this. This is all I'm saying, bro. I watched the women's game the other day between uh, UConn and North Carolina State. And, of course, I had no rooting interest in that yeah. game. That was just a well-played basketball game, bro. Yeah. 
And, like, I watched probably the last eight minutes in both overtimes, and I was like, this is as good as anything else I'm watching on uh, college basketball. And so my point is, if I can get some entertainment value and the games are that good and that riveting, then I don't really care that I don't know any of the players. I just want a high-level good game. And you should get that. I mean, we are talking about – And I want the pace right, too. I don't want to see none of this 48-44 shit either. No, it's – I'm intrigued because of the level of programs we're talking about. And I think it's fascinating that three of these four teams – are three of the four winningest programs in basketball history. Kansas right now has one more win than Kentucky. Kentucky's second, followed by North Carolina and Duke. You're talking about all the prestige of these of these programs, but I am fascinated that it's Duke, North Carolina in the Final Four. They've never met ever in the NCAA tournament, and it's Coach K's final season. And there's something to that storyline of... If he wins it, you may have to go through your most bitter rival who beat you in the regular season finale on your home court, which most people thought would be the last time you ever play them. Now you got a chance to walk off and it's for the national champion for a chance at it. And then there's a chance that when you get there, oh, you may have to beat the winningest program in men's basketball history in Kansas. I I just the story of this being his last year. I don't know. There's something to that that I think is intriguing. Yeah, I get that. No, the storylines are fine. I'm just, I'm just down on college basketball. I just don't think it's uh, – and my problem is I'm probably comparing it to how much I enjoy the NBA. And it's just a different game, and you have to accept that it's a different game. And, damn it, I have not accepted that it's a different game. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's like high school football is a different game than the NFL. True. Um, it's a different level. I mean, that's the thing. That's one thing, and it's very I obvious because there's way more players – in college basketball, they're going to play Division One, and, and just a few of them sniff the NBA. Yeah, I think the the issue is you you still used to get the, like, I don't know, bro. It, it has something to do with, like, it's me. It's my personality. What do I love most? I like watching greatness. And in the past, there have been great college basketball players. Yeah. Now there really aren't great college basketball players because they're either in the G League they're already in the NBA. They're, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't really get down with workmen like college basketball players. All right. I got and you. That's just me. I just, you know, the women is different for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. But even the women's game is still flawed because if you're yeah. not one of the top eight teams in America, you, I mean, you still can't compete with those eight teams. Yeah, so you got that I, coming up this weekend and, and – I don't know, man. I'm. I'm. We'll see. I, I'm. I got to be honest. I doubt that I'll pay much attention to Kansas Villanova, but that Duke UNC game. I mean, the fact that it's Coach K, it's Duke North Carolina, and it's the Final Four. There's a lot of intrigue to that game. And oh, then no doubt, obviously, yeah. I'll I'll watch the the national championship game just because it's the national championship game. I don't. It, yeah, I'll poke on that one just because it's yeah. the national championship game. But that's the only reason. That's one of those things. Um, I mean, I, I don't even care who's in it. I I generally watch that every year. I was probably a lot more excited that I found Blackberry Lemonade Waterloo Damn. Uh, today. Where'd you uh, get it at? Uh, <clears throat> I got it at the Whole Foods Market. Okay. I'm going to have to swing uh, by Whole I, Foods when then. When I was leaving a bank, uh, not, not that y'all care about my daily activities. Well, I do because I want to know where to get it at. Uh, but that's where I got it from. I would give it, uh, it was all right. Uh, I wanted a little more flavor, but 
before I before I pass judgment on it, I, I drank it in an unusual form, and so I'll drink it in a regular form next and see. Now the unusual form was not anything dramatic. Yeah. But I was so excited to try it, I poured it over ice, as opposed to drinking it cold out of the can. And oh, very nice. Uh, and I don't usually like it over ice for whatever reason. I just like it straight out of the can, ice cold like a beer. Twenty nine degrees for me. Not 28, not 30. I like my Waterloo at 29 degrees. You like your Waterloo at 29 <laughs> degrees? Yes. Isn't that, how is that not frozen? That's below 32 degrees of frozen. Here comes Matt DeQuarius, the intellect, having to challenge me on everything I say. No, I'm just like, how is that possible? I don't know. Perhaps I was making it up. <laughs> Okay, because I was like, you know, I don't know. Maybe you have a fridge or something, and you're like, well, wouldn't it? I was like, well, wouldn't that just be ice? It's like, what am I missing here? Like, I would buy 39 degrees. Yeah, man, you know, that's what. That's why you don't lie. I was getting my lies confused. <laughs> All right, so now we know you don't really drink Waterloo at 29 degrees because then you'd be chewing it because it'd be ice. Yeah, well, now, now, now the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, we've, we've discovered. We busted your lies. Last week I farted. This week I got caught in a lie. Oh, that was fantastic too. And and this we had multiple life. people point that out. <laughs> the infamous Jacques Farts podcast. Because I left it in there. I wanted to make sure everybody got a chance to oh, hear that. Oh, I know you left it in there. That Thanks, was fantastic. Buddy. You're welcome. Anything I can do. <laughs> I might have even amplified it a little bit upon editing. <laughs> yeah, it sounded that way. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just like... <laughs> Oh, farts are funny. Uh, who doesn't want a friend like Matt? <sighs> that's a good point. Who doesn't? <laughs> All right, that's it for this one. We will be back. We'll have Clarence Hill Jr., who I believe Chill was in person for the Jerry Jones interview. Yeah, he was there. So be interested to get his thoughts. He'll be with us on our next podcast, and who knows what else we'll have for you. Be looking forward to that. And appreciate you guys. Keep telling everybody about it as we grow this thing and growing our audience continues to grow. Appreciate you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.